So this prayer was just before our Lord goes into the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is where we're going to have, where we're going to take up today. In verse eight, uh, chapter 18, verse 1, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Cedron, where was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. You see, John's version of this is different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You see, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell us about the Lord going into this garden and praying, Father, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. But he says, nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Uh, and also, we have a location given here that is called the, the Brook Cedron. In the other Gospels, it tells us where this Brook Cedron is and then what it is called, that garden. Okay, so turn to Luke 22. Before we get started, good, I want you to see the setting here where it says they entered into this garden. Well, Luke 22, verse 36. And this story in Luke is going to open up some things for us when we read a little bit further in John. And then said he unto them, But now he that hath the purse, let him take it, and likewise his script, that's his money, and he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Now remember that, because we're going to find out something that happens with the sword a little bit later. And I say unto you that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me, and he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. You see where it says he was reckoned among the transgressors? That was given to us in Isaiah 53. You don't have to turn there, but that's what the scripture said. He was reckoned among the transgressors. That's what our Lord says. Now, verse 38. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, It's enough. And he came out and went, and as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. So now we've just found out that the brook Cedron is in the Mount of Olives. Interesting, huh? That's comparing Scripture with Scripture. And, of course, then it gives his prayer. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Now that is not in any of the other Gospels, but it happens to be in Luke. Now, this next verse is only found in Luke. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So when we go to John in our story today, and they take the Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to remember that he was in a a weakened condition, being in such agony that he sweat great drops of blood, and then it was just immediately after this that they took him. Okay, now let's get back to our place in John. 
I'll read that verse 1 again to you now with our additional information. And when Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Cedron, where was a garden into the which he entered and his disciples. And we found out that that garden was in the Mount of Olives. Now, one more scripture to turn to before we go on, okay? Mark 14, 32. Mark 14.32 is going to tell you what they call that place. Mark 14.32 says this, And they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I pray. Okay? So now we have the brook Cedron, in the Mount of Olives, and it's called, the garden is called Gethsemane. Now let's read verse 2. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place, for Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. And Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said unto them, I am. You see, the he is in italics there. He, it's, it's to make the English language clear, but he said, I am. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them, and as soon then as he said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. you got to think about that for a minute. Then ask ye them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none? And we found that was in our chapter, the Lord's Prayer in John 17. Then Simon Peter, here we go with the sword now. Then Simon, Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Well, you know, we had just read over there in Luke, the Lord says, Hey, if you haven't got a sword, sell your garment, get one. Now Peter loses his sword, and uses it, I mean. I think he missed the guy's head, he was really aiming for it, it hit his ear. And the Lord says, Put that sword up, you know, I've got to drink this cup. And you think Peter wasn't disturbed, perturbed. What am I supposed to do? You say, get a sword. I go, use it, and then you tell me to put it up. Now, come on, what's happening? That was Peter's reasoning. Any wonder then that Peter, in his state of distress, denied the Lord three times? And that's what we have coming up here in this same chapter. Uh, I think one thing I forgot to show you in Luke 22 was that the Lord put that man's ear right back on again. Let's get that before we get into our story. 
Don't want you to think somebody's running around there, head all bleeding and messed up. It's Luke 22 and verse 50 and 51. And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. And see, you, you, you couldn't find that out just by reading John. John left that part out about him putting the ear back on. But Peter, he, he doesn't know what's happening. Let's go back to the beginning of that chapter and, be, and talk about it a little bit now. And if we get further than that, we'll, we'll read a few more verses. Our Lord had just finished his wonderful prayer in John 17 about praying for his people, praying that the most wonderful thing that can happen to anybody up there in verse 24 is that they can behold his glory. That was the, the max, the maximum of everything in this prayer was for his people that he died for to be with him that they could behold his glory. Just to see the Lord Jesus Christ in his glory is enough to last you for eternity. And to think we'll be able to behold him over and over and over again. Our God, the creator, who created this world, was rejected by the world, having a glory so brilliant and so wonderful that you'll never forget it for eternity. And he just wants us to be with him. Now that's the crux of that prayer. Prayer time is over, but it seemed like there was another prayer coming up that we have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Luke, and that was this between him and the Father about removing the cup. And the fact of our sins being laid upon him so depressed him, our sins the punishment of our sins to be put upon him, that he backed off a little bit. But he said, nevertheless, thy will be done. And so it was. That was the end of it. But he prayed, as he prayed, great drops as of blood fell to the ground. So now we find Judas with a band of thieves, cutthroats, and what have you, a band of men and officers, just go out and get you a whole bunch of people. And they come with lanterns, torches, and weapons, a whole bunch of, say a mob. It's a mob. That's what it is. And Judas ahead of them. And our Lord says, in verse 4, I mean, the scripture says in verse 4, Jesus therefore knowing all things that should come upon him. Now, isn't that some kind of life to have, to know what's going to happen to you? To know everything, the good and the bad? Well, he knew what was going to happen to him. But I want to show you how he looked at it. Look at Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2. This is how our Lord looked at these things that was going to happen to him. Uh, 
looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, that's how he looked at it, endured the cross, despising the shame, as it set down at the right hand of the throne of God, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. For the joy that was set before him. It says, Jesus, knowing all things, didn't run away, didn't go hiding, didn't say, hey, let's get out, let's go back up to Galilee when we... Well, even Peter suggested that they get up there on that mount of transfiguration, build three houses, one for Moses, Elijah, one for Christ, and stay away. You just stay healthy. No, our Lord knew what was going to happen to him. That's why he was right where he was. So he says to him, whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Why they tack on that Nazareth? It was because they're down here in Jerusalem now. They're making like he, he doesn't even belong in the neighborhood. And Jesus saith unto them, I am. Now, what's so interesting about saying I am? Well, the fact that I am is the great Jehovah God of the Old Testament. This is the name that God himself told Moses to tell the children of Israel, this is who you're working for. This is who sent you, the I Am. I want you to look at it. It's in Exodus 3, the second book in the Bible, the third chapter, verse 14. Exodus 3, 14. We'll read 13 so you get the idea of what's happening here in this story. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent me unto you. So you see, when our Lord Jesus Christ says, I am, it's the mighty Jehovah God speaking in a body of flesh. Now you're going to see the power. We just read it a minute ago, but there's one other time, or there's several other times, that our Lord says the same thing. And I want to show you the reaction of it in John 8, 58. Just back up a little bit in John in John 8:58, our Lord says that same thing to a group of Jewish folks. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Well, see, they understood what he said. They, they didn't have, it didn't have to be explained to them. Look what happened in the next verse. Then they took up stones to cast at him. Why? Because he said, I am. I'm the great God. See, people don't understand that Jesus Christ is God. Especially Jehovah Witnesses. They hate that. They want him to be a lesser God. So they change the whole Bible. Every verse that has anything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ being God, they change. That's why they're such a, a desperate cult. They hate the things of the Bible have had to change everything in it 
in order to come up with that Jesus Christ was not God. And while we're talking about it, we might as well go over one more time because we've got a new person here with us. How to treat a Jehovah Witness. Here's the first thing in John 1, the book of John, first chapter, first verse. They say that their Bible is a very, very accurate translation. They lie up a storm. They have cut the thing to pieces. It's the most inaccurate, unscholarly work that you ever did see. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. You know what their Bible says? And the Word was a God with a little g. How's that an accurate translation? When groups and groups of scholars back in the 1600s, godly men, all translated the Greek as the word was God. And here they come up in 1951, put in their Bible, and the word was a God. Why? Because they hate the Lord Jesus Christ. That's just one instance. Um, we, we won't dwell on that anymore. Let's get back to John 18. You just aggravate me. People want to change the Bible and call it a, a better translation of lying things. Our Lord says, I am. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. The verse 6 now. And as soon then as he had said unto them, I am, they went backward and fell to the ground. <laughs> picture it um, a group a mob with lanterns staves and weapons come out to capture a man and they all fall over backward on a, is that embarrassing is that humiliating Judas along with him laying there on his back kicking like cockroaches that's the power of our God his voice I am. And they went backward and fell to the ground. I wonder why. Is it because Scripture had to be fulfilled? Was that written in the Scripture? Well, let's look at Psalm 40 and verse 14. Psalm 40 and verse 14. You see, nothing goes unattended in the Scriptures. If it's in there, it's going to be fulfilled. Here's what this says. Let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. And let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Who would have known what that meant apart from John writing in his gospel that they all fell backward trying to take the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that great? This is a, a miraculous book. The only one like it. On the face of the earth, to predict things that happen exactly. God's word. Okay, verse 7. Then ask ye them again, whom seek ye? And they said, I don't know if they were getting up, laying down, standing up, what? This time he said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I've told you that I am. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. <clears throat> and amazing enough, even though Peter whopped off a guy's ear, they let him all get off. 
Now, if he would have cut the man's head off, the Lord would probably resurrected the man or put his head back on, but uh, rather than cause a stir like that, because they, they could have went crazy, this mob. They would have attacked it blindly. But they were held in check by the power of God that the, <clears throat> that the saying might be fulfilled which he spake of them which thou gavest me have I lost none. Where's that saying? Well, look at John. Turn back one page. John 17, verse 12. In our Lord's Prayer, he says to the, Lord, to the Father, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name, and those that thou gavest me. See, those are the ones. I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition that the Scripture might be fulfilled. There are exceptions. And Judas was an exceptional person that the scripture said was going to betray Christ, and so he was lost. Verse 10, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. And his servant's name was Malchus. Just in case you doubt that this happened, the servant's name was Malchus. Peter wondered what's going on. He, he, he's willing to die for the Lord. He was going to dive into this group of people, swinging away, and then a few minutes later, he denies the Lord completely. This is amazing. This shows you the fickleness of the human heart. He gets his feelings hurt because the Lord tells him to put up the sword, and then he loses all of his courage. Verse 12, Then the band and the captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him, tied him, tied his hands behind his back probably, and led him away to Annas first, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. It was a while back in the gospel here that the Pharisees wanted to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. And Caiaphas says, well, it's expedient that one man die for the nation. He didn't know that he was prophesying about the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, now we get to big old Peter. Now remember, Peter's not a little pansy. Peter's a rough old fisherman. You know how fishermen curse and carry on? They tough. Peter had that nature. So Simon Peter followed Jesus and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the high priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. Now that other disciple is John. This is John himself. He's the one that got in. But Peter stood at the door without and then went out that other disciple which was known unto the high priest and spake unto her that kept the door and brought in Peter. So John goes to the door, speaks to the little lady out there, says, let this guy in, he's a friend of mine, and he's not going to do any harm, just let him in. Then said the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there who made a fire of coals, for it was cold, 
and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. One part, part of the group, you know, Bob, just one of the boys. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly in the world. I ever spake in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? Well, you see, the man couldn't understand. Nothing spiritual. He only thought that he was getting sassy with the high priest. He says to the high priest, Now, why don't you ask the people that heard me, and then you'd get it firsthand. Uh, well, that wasn't the case. Now Annas had sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest, and Simon Peter stood and warmed himself, and they said therefore unto him, Art thou not also one of his disciples? And he denied it and said, I am not. And one of the servants of the high priest, being his kinsman, whose ear Peter cut off, saith, Did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew. Now the Lord had said, Peter, you, you say you, you'd die for me. But before the cock crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. And he did. And isn't it amazing that as soon as he did reject him three times that that old rooster crowed. Then led they Jesus from Caiaphas into the hall of judgment, and it was early, and themselves went not into the judgment hall, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. You see, all this being defiled was part of that old ceremonial law about being clean and unclean and can do this and do that and they had added a lot of rules to it so they the Jews themselves wouldn't even go in verse 29 Pilate then went out unto them and said what accusation bring you against this man and he has to go outside to do it I bet it aggravated him because it was cold and they answered and said unto him if he were not a malefactor we would not have delivered him up unto thee then said Pilate unto them, Take ye him and judge him according to your law. And the Jews therefore said unto him, It is not lawful for us to put any man to death. What a, what a bunch of liars. Religious people are the biggest bunch of liars you ever did see. Now a whole bunch of times they tried to stone the Lord Jesus Christ and just couldn't because it wasn't the right time. You remember when he said, before Abraham was, I am, and they picked up stones to stone him. And almost at the end of every chapter in John, they tried to kill him, and stoning was legal. Jews could kill people by stoning them if for blasphemy. They say, hey, it's not lawful for us to put any man to death. And... The next verse, 32, says that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spake signifying what death he should die. And the Lord told him that he was going to be crucified. 
that he was going to be taken by the Gentiles and that he would be put to death and that he would rise again the third day. When they never remembered that. No, they couldn't remember that part. Verse 33, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, saying, uh, Jesus answered him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? And Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? He said, I don't, I don't, I don't follow your religion. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know what people said, or what you said to them. That, that wasn't my business. I'm a Roman. Am I a Jew? I don't know nothing about that. Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. You see, when we talk about a kingdom, the nation of Israel, and much more than that, had been promised to the Jews, to Israel, through Abraham. The promise was to Abraham from the Nile River to the Euphrates River, which runs right through the middle of Iraq, belongs to Israel. It was a grant given to Abraham. So they looking for a kingdom. We also have a spiritual kingdom. When you're born again, born into a kingdom which is invisible right now, one day it will be a very physical kingdom, even ruling and reigning here on earth. So he's speaking about two kingdoms. One that's not of this world. If it was, his servants would fight. But now look at the next two words, but now. Now, for this present time, is my kingdom not from hence. It's going to be one day the Lord Jesus Christ is going to rule and to reign from Jerusalem, but not now. The first coming was not for that at all. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? And Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. You see, he's talking in a strange tongue now to unspiritual people. All that Pilate's got to say is, Pilate said unto him, what is truth? I don't know. They got a question mark here. I imagine Pilate said it kind of slurringly. What's truth? You see, our Lord Jesus Christ said, and everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. And why is that? Well, look at John 14, 6. John 14, 6. Because the Lord Jesus Christ himself is truth. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when he said to all that are of the truth, you hear him, yes, that's true. Because he is the truth, the only truth. God's word is called truth. The word and the Lord Jesus Christ are both called the word. 
like in the first verse of John, it says, in the beginning was the Word. That's how closely united this written Word is with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the living Word. This is the written Word. And the two go hand in hand. The two have truth. And everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. As we finish John 14, 6, though, I want you to notice that there's no other way to God but through the Lord Jesus Christ. It eliminates all saints, all people, all angels, all anything. You've got to come by Christ. Now, some folks want to teach you that you can't go to the Son directly. You've got to go through his mother. Did you ever read that in the Bible? Did you ever see anything that even come close to that in the Bible? No, you didn't. You have got to come by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he invites sinners to come to him. Here it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh to the Father but by me. I don't care if it's Saddam Hussein and all of his bowing down and all of those Mohammedans that bow down by the thousands in groups and keep bowing their heads and they're on their knees, or if it's in Korea, if it's in Japan or China or India, South America, Africa, millions upon millions and millions of people, they're all condemned to hell if they don't come to, the, to God, to the Father, by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the most dogmatic statement in all the Bible. It's Christ or hell for everybody. You either come by him or you don't come at all, and you split hell wide open for disagreeing with the scriptures. Okay, let's get back to John 18 and close it down. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice, either in preaching or coming out of God's word, one way or another. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And that's the idea of most people. Truth is irrelevant today. And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find no fault in him, but you have a custom that I should release unto you one at the Passover. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? Then cried they all again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Now, what do you make of that? What can you make of the human heart wanting to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ and turn loose a crook? Now, the jails weren't overcrowded. They don't have a problem like we do today. It was just a custom. Just a... Like we have customs at Mardi Gras. You do this or you do that. Well, here was the Passover, and to play little games along with their religious day, they would release a criminal. And they said, release Barabbas and crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. You see the human heart. You see, it's not just their heart, it's our heart. Everything that Israel did in rebellion against God is only a picture of the natural, normal human heart. They rebelled, they moaned and groaned, and they sinned purposely against him. So do we. 
They're a picture of the normal, natural human heart. Crucify Jesus and give me a robber. That's something. Well, we finished our chapter. And uh, next week we'll go into the crucifixion, the part that John has that the others don't have. You see, John says he wrote these things that you might believe that Christ is the Son of God and believe in you might have life. So some of these things were very, very pertinent today to you believing. You've got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ or you will go to hell. You see, most religions don't want to talk about that. Don't talk about hell. Be nice to the people and don't even mention it. Well, this is what the religion is all about, what the gospel is all about. It's for people to avoid going to a hell that they absolutely deserve. They deserve hell because of their sins and their sin nature. And it's only mercy that God provides a substitute for sinners. And that was his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He does the providing. All you've got to do is the believing. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Let's bow our heads. Father, we ask thy blessing upon this simple gospel message today. Thank you for thy word. The reading of it, the most important part. When we read thy word, our hearts get blessed. And we ask you that each one here will have received a blessing today and bless the heart of our visitor. May he come back again, him and Miss Tina. We ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. You're all dismissed.